Good morning. Erev Shabbat. Great students of our great yeshiva, Magen David, Yeshiva High School, boys and girls, good to see you back. We haven't had one of these in a while. Between the midterms and the winter vacation, so it's definitely good to be back, see you all healthy, safe and sound. And it's good to spend just a few moments to reveal some great secrets from the Perashah. It's a classic Perashat B'Shalah. If you have a chance to go to shul this week, boys and girls, don't miss it. The perasha is exceptional. Every pasuk is filled with drama as we get to the point of Yitziat Mitzrayim and the splitting of the sea. Of course, the Shabbat is called Shabbat Shira. If you come early to shul, they sing the Az Yashid out loud, the entire congregation, just like we do on Pesach. So it's the Shabbat of song, it's the Shabbat of miracles, it's the Shabbat of Exodus. However, there's something in the Perashah that might be overlooked. And I came to point it out to our members. And that is, we leave Egypt, we're in the Midbar. Now there's no food in the Midbar. There's no kiosks, there's no machines, there's no supermarkets, there's no conventional provisions for the people to eat. So the people come to Moshe, Correctly, rightfully so. What are we going to eat? And Moshe Rabbeinu says, I will speak to God and get back to you. And Borei Olam says, tell the people that every day there's going to be a portion of food that's going to come from heaven. What is that portion called? Very good, man. And every day they will collect. The man does not spoil within its day. The man can taste like anything you conject, you think about. And the girls would like this, zero calories. As a result, the Jews would go out the next day and collect the man. But God says, one day a week you don't collect. And that of course is Shabbat. But what are they going to eat on Shabbat? They have to eat. <clears throat> so the Torah says on Friday, you'll collect a double portion of man. There's a law that we have every week to remember this law of the man. And what is that? On Friday night when we come to the table, how many loaves of bread do we have on the table? Two. Why do we have two loaves? To remember that on Friday they took a double portion and they did not work on the Shabbat. The Lechem Mishneh reminds us of what happened in the times of the Midbar. But let me tell you something else. When the man fell from heaven, it fell on the ground. Didn't your mothers teach you, don't eat food that falls on the floor? I know some people have the three second rule, but if you don't follow that rule, if it falls on the floor, it's all dirty. So the Torah tells us that God first sent some dew, D-E-W, moridatal, a layer of dew to cover the ground, like a sheet or like a tablecloth. So the man landed not on the ground, but on the layer of dew. But now it's exposed to the elements. On top it's not covered. And now you can have all the different microbes and all the different germs that the environment has. So don't you need to package the food? When you go to a supermarket, isn't the cake in a package that's sealed? So God sent another layer of dew on top 
in order to cover it so there was a layer on the bottom and a layer on the top. What do we do to commemorate that? Where do you put the two loaves of bread? You put it on the tablecloth. And then what do you do with it? You cover it on top. The reason why we cover the bread on Friday night on top and bottom is to commemorate not only the double man, but to commemorate the way the man was delivered. It was in a sealed package on top and on the bottom. Which reminds us, Shabbat is a day of rest. We prepare before Shabbat for the Shabbat. But Shabbat itself, we desist and we move away from any active physical labor. It's Yom Menuha. Now I want to bring this to your attention. Who introduced Shabbat to the world? So let me explain it to you like this. Does anybody know where we got a 365 day year from? Everybody agrees there's 365 days in a year, correct? Where did that come from? Who made that up? Who, who made, oh, so you're answering me science. It's actually scientific. Because the sun, it takes the earth 365 days to make a revolution around the sun. Assuming that it's the earth moving around the sun and the sun not moving around the earth, I will not go into that debate today. But let's assume science has proven that it takes the moon, it's moving, correct? One revelation to go all the way around and come back. And that's why it's called a solar year. A solar year is 65 days. It's nothing to do with religion. It's not a religious thing. It's science. But can I ask you another question? Who made up a 24-hour day? Where'd that come from? Answer. Is it religion or science? Science. science. Okay, what's the science of a 24-hour day? So you know, uh, boys and girls, the science class, you know that the earth is spinning? The earth is moving. Hold on. How fast is the earth moving? Fast. How fast? A thousand miles an hour. It's spinning a thousand miles an hour. Now God must be a good driver because nobody feels it. There's no bumps and there's no turbulence. But we're moving. So the science says, how many hours does it take the earth to make one complete revolution? 24 hours. And this is proven. Today we have Hubble telescope. They can look at the earth and they see its movement and they can exactly figure out in 24 hours the earth will make one complete revolution. So again, Solar year is scientific. 24-hour day, scientific. Another question. Anybody know how many days in a month? On average, we say as an average 30 days. It's actually, if you want to be more precise, 29.5 and a couple of more decimal points after that. Who made up a month of 29.5? Who made that up? What does it depend on? So it's science again. The moon, as you know, has a cycle. It waxes and wanes. In the beginning of the month, you can just see a little sliver of the moon. And then it starts to get big, big, big. And on the 15th, you have a full moon. That's when all the lunatics come out. Luna is moon. When the moon gets big, the crazies come out. All the kooks come out, they do crazy things. And then what happens? 
the moon starts to get small and decrease its size. So the birth of the moon, until it disappears, actually takes 29.5 days. So we call it a month. So a month is based on a lunar calculation. So far so good? Last question before I get to the main event. Does everybody agree to 365, 24 hours, 29.5? Does everybody, is this universal? It has to be universal. You can't argue on science. It's fact. Just like nobody can argue on one plus one equals two. It's a reality. Great. How many days in a week? What is it based on? Who made a seven day week? Oh, so you're telling me that seven day week is not based on the sun, it's not based on the moon, it's not based on any scientific calculation. Exactly. And the God of who? The God of the Jews, that means it is the Jewish people that introduced to the world seven day week. This is our contribution. Before God presented it to the Jewish people, it didn't exist. All people knew about was years, days, and months. Now, let's assume our biggest enemy today in the world, let's assume it's in Iran. How many days in a week do they have in Iran? Seven. Little do they know that their seven-day week is our invention. So you know about these guys, uh, uh, BDS? Where they come and they want to protest and they want to boycott everything that's Israeli and everything that's Jewish? Well, one of the things that they're going to have to boycott is the seven-day week. Because that is also something that we brought to society. Now, I must say, it's a religious calculation, seven-day week. But they had to adjust it. Because we said... The seven-day week, the Shabbat is Shabbat, the seventh day. But the Greem then came and said, no, we agree seven-day, but we're going to change it. So they made their Shabbat on Sunday. And the Arabs made their Shabbat on Friday. So they just picked a different day of rest. But the concept is ours. Now the question is as follows, and I'll conclude. It's a very important talk. Our contribution to the world is the seven-day week. If you look at the Pasuk, the Pasuk says, God completed His work on the seventh day. Is that accurate? When did He complete His work? On the sixth day. But you're going to say in Kiddush tonight, Vaychal Elohim Bayom and as a matter of fact, when the Greeks heard about this pasuk, they had a big problem with it. It's not true. You say that Shabbat is a day of rest? And you know what our answer is? Part of creation and part of the construction of the world is to have a day of rest. Rest is a creation. You know why? Because if you wouldn't have a day of rest, you wouldn't be able to have the energy and the strength for the six days ahead of you. And therefore, rest is not just something, laziness, 
or rest is not just something that is in action or something that's passive. The rest of the Torah is needed in order that we should regain strength to go forward in the next six days. What happens to most people that don't take a break from time to time, they burn out. And even the greatest empires, eventually what happens to them, they fall. And therefore to keep a consistency, Borei Olam says, take one of seven and take a rest. But a rest from what? That's the question. Some people misinterpret day of rest, so they take a good, a good novel, they go into the, under the covers, and they sleep the whole day. I know a girl in the yeshiva that wakes up on Shabbat morning at 1 p.m. You believe it? I cannot believe people that can sleep at 1 p.m. But there's a boy that even beat her, he gets up at 2 p.m. Is that what Shabbat is? When we say day of rest, it means rest from physical activity. No work, no labor, no involvement in mundane activity. But it's a day of rest of the body and activity of the soul. That's the rest that we're talking about. Not a day of, 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 of being lackadaisical. Not a day of being non-productive. And therefore, it's a creation. It's a creation, Shabbat. It's the day where we're able to rest the body and work the nishama. And that's why actually on Shabbat we get two nishamot. Not only two loaves of bread, but two nishamot. And therefore I'd like to recommend to our students. You've had a great vacation. Vacation is like Shabbat. In your case you had a two-week Shabbat or a ten-day Shabbat. And I'm glad to see that it was restful. And we had a great week in the comeback after vacation. We can hear the classes being taught the students learning, there's good energy, the students are, are, are motivated, there's a lot of uh, 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 intellectual aggressiveness that we have, the vacation served us well. But in Judaism, there's a vacation every week on Shabbat. It's a chance to rest your bodies for the coming week, but don't make the mistake. Don't rest your souls. The boys should be in synagogue on Shabbat three times a day. The girls should be up early helping their mothers and helping their, their siblings prepare the house for the Sarodot of Shabbat. You should have your Tehillim, you should have your Tefillot. We should take advantage of this day. The contribution that not science gave us. The contribution that is intrinsically and solely a Jewish contribution to the world. The seven day week. Shabbat Shalom. Amen.